You're listening to Seeking Change, the podcast where industry collaborates on eco-efficient minerals and made possible by our visionary sponsors. In today's episode of the 2020 Seek Medal Insight Series, Seek Director Joe Pease interviews Dr. Grant Ballantyne of Asenko after the presentation of his 2020 Seek Medal for Outstanding Work. Grant shares exciting technologies key to reducing mining's footprint, including options that can reduce water, tailings or energy by 50%. As we strive towards net zero design and operation of processing plants, we must account for embodied energy in ancillary equipment such as steel grinding media and conveyors, which can add 30 to 50% more energy use. Okay, well, look, I'm very pleased today to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Grant Ballantyne, who's Director of Technical Solutions with Asenco. Now, Grant's a passionate mineral processing engineer who enjoys implementing process improvements across industry, and he's just recently been awarded the, the SEEK Medal for 2020 for technical research. Grant's got over 10 years mineral processing experience in design, optimization, operation, research and development with a degree in metallurgical and chemical engineering and completing a PhD at the JKMRC in 2012. And has been involved in successful site-based industry research in five continents and eight commodities. Now, Grant has now moved to Waseco, the engineering company, where he coordinates the Communution Group, uh, which includes new technologies and flow sheets and the sorts of things we'd like to talk about today. Also with input at the front end, engineering design and operations, and how to apply enhanced processing technologies such as coarse particle flotation and bulk ore sorting. Now, Grant's received a number of awards. He, he received the Minerals Engineering International Young Person of the Year at Communition 18 in Cape Town. He's played a principal role in developing the energy curves, which was the topic of his SEEK medal winning paper. They're widely used by industry for benchmarking. And, uh, and really adopted by SEEK as a way to help perform and, and uh, the industry on energy consumption. So welcome, Grant. Congratulations on your win. Thank you. Now, we think the paper you wrote was an important contribution to, to the industry and to the energy discussion because it, it's included the embedded or the embodied energy in, in grinding media and also the energy and ancillary equipment for equipment like uh, HPGRs. So it tells a much better picture of the overall energy use of, of different flow sheets, which helps inform people make better decisions. And for people who haven't read Grant's paper, I really commend they do because not only is it technically very good, it's really easy to read and very compelling. Mm -hmm. Greg, could you sort of summarise the key messages out of that paper? Yeah, so um, the paper really builds on a lot of the work that I've done in the past on the combination energy curves. Um, the energy curves were based on the electrical energy that the mills consume in the breakage of rock. This adds to that um, the embedded the embodied energy of the grinding media that's consumed in the grinding process. It's obviously um, to get that grinding media, steel grinding media into the mill, it needed to have been mined, it needed to have been smelted, cast, and then transported to, to site before it's consumed. So, so there's a lot of energy that goes into that media before it was consumed in the mill. And then also the ancillary equipment around the grinding circuit. So the conveying, 
of of ore, transport of ore around the circuit, pumping of of the slurry up to the cyclones. I really wanted to look wider than just the electrical energy of the mill or the mills and look at the additional energy consumers of that of the circuit. And I think it's really important to take those into account when when designing a so sort of like the full life cycle. Yeah, yeah. So, so not just the energy that's consumed by the mills, but consumed in delivering material, uh, the, the balls to the mills, and also moving the rock around the circuit, um, because they can be vastly different for different circuit configurations and designs. And, and they're quite significant too. The numbers in the paper showed that they really do change. Some, sometimes comparison between different options, they really do change the ranking. Definitely. So, so we found that they can add between 30 and 50% on top of the electrical energy of the, the mills actually consume in electrical energy. So yeah, it's very significant. So, so it could lead to some really false false decisions if you don't include a bigger picture of the energy footprint. Definitely. So um, I, I presented two different case studies in the paper. Um, one looked at the trade-off between HPGR-based circuits and SAGMA-based circuits. Um, and one that looked at what happened with a specific sagmill over time as um, it went from autogenous grinding to semi-autogenous grinding to um, full pre-crush and um, higher ball loads in the, in the sagmill. And in both of those cases, including the embodied energy and including the ancillary energy, changed the way you looked at that trade-off. Um, significantly, when you when you're talking about an HPGR, the amount of conveying that's required, um, you can double the HPGR energy to take into account the conveying. And with the with the ag mill to to the barely autogenous mill um, at the end with full pre-crush, the consumption of media added a significant amount to that to that energy that wouldn't normally be taken into account. Um, but I believe should should be taken into account in those in those decision making processes. Mm. So, so if, if from the analysis, there's this one concept or one learning you could take, and you, and you wish that you could communicate easily to industry, what, what, what would be the one thing you'd say? Well, um, it's a bit hard to to pull it down to one because we looked at these two different concepts: the the embodied energy and the ancillary. Um, but I think if you took it down to one, it would be look wider than just the electrical energy that's consumed by the mill. Um, that is one important part, but there's so much more to designing an energy efficient comminution circuit and operating an energy efficient comminution circuit that should be taken into account. And I think this ancillary equipment but uh, and, and embodied energy in the grinding media are two major components of that. Um, that puzzle that haven't really been looked into in, in any great depth previously, um, at least from the energy side of things. And, and we, we can reduce it. We can reduce the, the media consumption. There, there are um, well-known ways to, to reduce media consumption. And um, we can change the design of our circuits to reduce the amount of energy consumed in, in conveying and pumping. Um, there's good solutions there. Yeah, so, so I guess the, I mean, the, the first thing, the most important thing is just for people to know. If you know, if you've measured it, which as you said, we weren't measuring it before. If we measure it, we know it, we recognise it, then we can think about ways to do something about it and, or to choose the better option of the two, which 
maybe we didn't know was a better option until we measured on the larger scale, on yeah. the larger campus. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was one of the things, the reasons I wanted to pull it into the energy curse and add it into the group of energy curse is that it then provides a different way of showing it as well. I mean, we can write in a report that our, um, our ball mill consumes, I don't know, 60 yeah, grams of, of media per kilowatt hour and someone will nod along and go, okay, great. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so being able to actually portray it in, in the energy curve format where we, we take a well-known idea of cost curves and, and moving down cost curves into this, this, this way of visualizing it allows you to communicate that to a much wider audience and uh, gain better traction for those kind of ideas. Yeah, so, so we, we, want, we want to merge with that because you, you've been a, yeah, an instigator of the energy curves. Um, I mean, we saw you present quite some years ago at a conference and thought that's, well, in my view, that's what we need in the industry to help communicate the concepts. So you've been with it the whole time and, and driven it, and now you're adding to it, adding much more depth to it. So how, how do you think they're going to help the industry? And do you think, you know, what, what more do we, can we do to them to improve them? How do we help the adoption of them? And how can they help the industry, you know, meet the challenges of reduced energy? So, so firstly, I've got to thank you for, for um, championing the energy curve. So I, I remember in 2016 presenting to you in, in um, Vancouver and the way you, uh, you encouraged that work that I was doing um, and started getting a kind of movement behind it was really great. And it's, it, we need more champions of that kind of stuff in the, in the industry to, to push forward um, early career engineers and, and researchers in, in front of and get their research brought out. So I think that's really, it was really great for that to happen um, from you. And obviously through SEEK um, was the main kind of driving force behind that. But yeah, so so the energy curves, the the idea of it um, was really to bring together all of this data that we had of of different operating sites, and to to encourage people to reduce their energy. Um, and the problem was there was all of this um, confidential information that was barreled up in 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 this data that was that had been collected, and so we needed a a, a way to present that in a way that that didn't display exactly where each one of the mines were and, and all of the confidential data within there. And that cost curve format of being able to present each mine as a bar on a chart and rank them from highest to lowest and be able to show kind of movement from the top end, you're up in the top quartile, you, you can move down to the, to the um, bottom quartile with these different changes. And this is this is a case study of another mine that has done that. And this is what we've seen elsewhere. Um, it became really powerful. And I, th I think um, made, made quite a difference um, in that time. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to gain traction and I'm still a champion of kind of moving in that direction and, and, and presenting uh, improvements in that way. Yeah, so I guess, I guess you know, we believe that it, it meets these seeks objectives of communicating what's happening, so summarising the, the numbers, communicating them in a way they're useful and can communicate not just to engineers but can communicate to the mm. chief financial officer or the accountants or the CFO, CEO, 
it can communicate that, but it can also give people a chance to identify good practice. Mm. Who, who has adopted a good practice and what can we learn off that? So I guess their, their roles that SIG is trying to help play. Can I ask, so in, look, this work in the embodied and ancillary energy, is there more to go? I mean, what's next? Are there other things we should be including to, to improve that analysis or are we getting pretty close now? I think there's always ways to improve improve things. I think Zimmy Zimmy mentioned um, fragmentation from the mind, including the mind, in the, the comminution process, which I think is is really important. In terms of the energy codes, the the drive to go to embodied and ancillary equipment came from presenting the energy curse in workshops and having conversations with the workshop attendees and them and, and discussing. What we what they want to be able to show for their mind, um, and what they want to to see going forward, and I think um, I've had a lot of other other conversations about different things that should come in. I think one of the major ones, just just um, it's kind of on the side, but is water. We've done this this process of energy curves with for for combination energy, but combination doesn't just consume energy; it consumes water. And it also generates the fines that lock up the water in the tailings dams. So I think there, there should be some um, momentum towards pulling together this this information into kind of a water curve or something like that. And I think there's some there's some work in the background that's that's been pushing that forward. Um, and I'd I'd love to see that gain more traction um, in the industry. Because I remember seeing some other work we did. We, we talk about core separation as one way to reduce. Certainly, clearly reduce common use in energy and, and water consumption. Some other work you did in the past just sort of pointed out that if it's using if it's particle by particle sorting and it's using compressed air, the embodied energy in the compressed air is quite high. Yeah. So, so I mean that's just another another example. I haven't looked at the, the big picture, but including water in the big picture certainly pushes us towards where we can separate dry and coarse. We should be doing that. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's really important. And the, the paper you talked about, the, where we looked at the energy associated with the uh, getting the air for the particle sorting, that started changing my perspective on 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 particle sorting and how that can be incorporated within a circuit. Because obviously, the energy required to blow those particles per ton of rock rejected goes up as you go finer. So you liberate the material more. Um, and you get more liberated gain, but you um, consume more energy in the in the sorting process. Um, so taking into account those additional things can actually lead you to a very different point, design point or, or optimal operation. Yeah. Yeah. So they're driving us towards the, 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 I guess, the bulk dry sorting technologies or bulk core sorting technologies like gradient engineering or dense medium separation, gravity separation. Uh, or, or coarse flotation. Uh, we don't need every individual particle with a pulse of air on it. We're, we're looking at a, a more you know, bulk uh, separation. Yeah, and I, while I've been to Zenka, I've been doing a lot of work in this in this area. And, and while I was at the JK, um, we looked at this progressive recovery that, that you should be recovering as um, material is liberated and gangs liberated first um, at the at the coarsest stage. Um, so. I definitely think there's a lot of value that can be added with um, technologies like bulk ore sorting, reducing the amount of 
sort of material going into your grinding circuit, increasing the grade. Um, so you're using the, the energy and the, um, on the right material and then grinding coarser. So reducing the work required in that combination circuit to produce a coarser product that can be recovered through coarse particle flotation or, um, or other coarse, coarse separation technologies. And, and also, and in the middle there, so you've got the kind of reduce the material going to your combination circuit, reduce the work required by a combination circuit, but then in the middle, work on the efficiency of your combination circuit. So um, there's a lot of really interesting technologies around um, dry crushing, um, VRM, vertical roller mills, um, there's, there's the, the Vera Liberator. There's a lot of these different new technologies that are coming in in that space that actually really complement the um, the bulk core sorting and the and the coarse particle flotation as well. So yeah, it's been, I, that that's been one of the really exciting things about coming across to Azenko is is not just looking at those things on a piece of paper and kind of uh, looking at the technical benefits, but translating it as as Zimmy said into the financial right from the word go and saying where do we want to be in terms of MPV. And can we get there with these technologies? And and what's the financial benefit of, of doing this? And I guess also give me the opportunity to, to help uh, convince the client that there is a solution, there is an engineering solution that, that, to de-risk it. Zimmy talked about the risk that, that people want to avoid. So as a researcher, you talk about the potential. As an engineer, you have to talk about minimising the risk and how it's going to be designed to be robust and, and operable and maintainable. So that, that's really exciting transition to, to be able to, to do, have to do both. Yeah, and I think um, one of the ways you can reduce the risk is by staging it. Um, so do staged implementation. And that's, that's one of the things that all of the projects that I'm kind of working on with these technologies start off with a pilot style where a pilot is actually full scale, <laughs> but a smaller full scale. So it's, it's um, yeah, it, it allows you to test the equipment, but not waste capital on it, it then becomes the full-scale implementation, just um, more of those or, or at, a, at a greater level. So yeah, we work a lot on that, that risk side of things. Um, for instance, bulk ore sorting, um, there's a lot of risk associated with um, what is the heterogeneity of the ore body? How, how variable is the grade that's coming out of the mine? Um, and we've developed a lot of techniques to, to be able to assess that and to be able to evaluate that in situ. So measuring through drill cores, what that variability is gonna be down the, down the conveyor belt when the, when the mine's operating. All of those kind of things and, and different modeling techniques that, that we've developed, looking at putting coarse particle flotation within a, within a full um, value chain and, and running your, your mine plans through that and working out what the the economics are and where where the optimal operation is. Um, so I think all of those are really important in, in de-risking these new technologies. But um, look, uh, a lot of them are ready. <laughs> so, so what do you? So yeah, that's right. You're familiar with them. You've done research on them. You're doing engineering with them. What do you think is let's say in ten years' time? Now I know every ore body is different, but if there is such a generic ore body, such a thing. What, what do you see as the, you know, the processing plan of the future for energy efficiency and water efficiency? What, what sort of components is it going to have? So um, 
I've been doing a bit of work on this um, with a few with a few clients actually. So I think for copper, I've, I've got a best, the best exa yeah. I, examples I can give for copper. I mean, um, gold's going to have different the different commodities are going to have different views. But if I if I look at copper, I think the the mining is going to become. I think the mining is going to become less selective, and the selectivity is going to come through bulk ore sorting or, or different separation techniques at that core size. Um, so it's going to be less about grade control and, and digging to polygons and, and all of those kinds of things and more about get it out as quick as possible for as low cost as possible and then separate it. So I think that's, that's one side. And I think then we can get a higher grade feed to our processing plant to make that more economic. And when we get a higher grade feed to our processing plant, we're, we're pushing more um, value through that bottleneck and that generates more, more MPB. I think in terms of the, the comminution technologies, I don't think sag and bore milling are the enemy as a, as a lot of people think that they are. I think there are effective ways that, that, that are gonna be found to, to operate them well. For instance, I've, I've been recently looking at um, some really old work in the 1950s um, and some even earlier work in the 1920s um, that looked at operating mills at low filling and, and low speed to produce dramatically improved energy efficiencies. Um, and that's something that hasn't been, hasn't been looked at as much recently. So I think there's, there's different ways that we can operate them. Then there's going to be totally different equipment and there's a number of really exciting equipment specifically around dry comminution. And as long as that doesn't increase the, the classification energy, so another ancillary thing, but um, dry classification can use a lot of energy. Um, as long as it doesn't increase that to a high level um, that, that currently does, um, then we can, we can implement those, those technologies. And then I think coarse particle flotation is really a key. And there's a lot of companies um, developing new equipment at the moment to look at coarse particle flotation. Obviously there's, there's the Hydrofloat, um, which we, we put in at Cadia and that's a great success down there. And there's, there's so many other applications currently being looked at and being developed. So yeah, that, that coarse separation, the pre-concentration, whatever you want to call it, um, moving through to efficient comminution, moving through to coarse particle flotation, creating a tails that can be dewatered very simply and cheaply and stacked, um, stable, that produces a stable stack, um, dry stack. We, we can reduce energy by 50%. We can reduce water by 50%. We can reduce tailings by 50%, combining with some other, some other things. But um, we've done projects where, where we've looked at that. Um, so substantial. Um, and I think we can do it now. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So, so do you think we're communicating that well enough? I mean, if, if we're going to get there in 10 years time, is that well enough communicated? If not, what, what can we do better? What, what can, I guess, what can Seek do better and your company? Um, I think one of the things that is lacking from the communication side of things, and, and it might sound funny coming from me and talking about energy and, and those kinds of things, is that we focus too much on energy sometimes as engineers. Um, sometimes we need to take that step back and say, what are the financial consequences of this? And I've been amazed um, 
since starting at Zenko and, and being able to um, do those calculations and, and focus on the financial, on the MPV, on the um, MPV on capital ratios and, and um, defining those things that we can really drive to uh, an energy efficient solution without necessarily having energy as the driving point. And I think that that's, that's really important. The, the comminution circuit is key to this, obviously. It is, it should be, it is the, the highest capital um, component. It should be the bottleneck. And therefore, if we can drive more value through that bottleneck, um, we're gonna create not only a um, more uh, economic mine, but we're also going to um, result in a, in a more energy efficient process as well. Um, and all of the work that I've done kind of points in that direction. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. So, so the big changes you think the industry needs to be adopting in the next 10 years, when we talk energy, obviously, and economics, but there's water as well, there's social governance. What, what, what are the technologies or combination of technologies and the changes we need to so, enable to? Yeah, so I think we need to, um, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, the combination circuit creates fines. The fines are what consumes the energy. The fines are what needs to be placed as a tailings. Um, the fines are the ones that consume the water in the tailings so that, that can't be recycled. So you have a lower recycling rate. So I think the biggest challenge from my, my perspective is reducing the, number, the amount of fines that we produce. That to me focuses all three of those things together. It brings in energy, water and tailings together, which are I think the three, three major technical elements that we need to be solving. So reducing the amount of fines that we generate um, by pre-concentrating and producing a coarse waste, by being energy efficient in our combination and not generating those fines in the combination process. So using classification uh, screens rather than cyclones and and those kinds of and those kinds of things and not overgrinding material. And then separating as coarse as possible. Those things, all of them reduce the amount of fines that we generate. Um, and that is key to energy, water, and tailings, I think. Well, thanks, Grant. I, I, I like what you're saying. and We've got a lot of work in front of us as, as operators, as engineers, as researchers, uh, I guess industry supporters like SEEK. We've all got a lot of work in front of us to get there, but I think you, you're painting a picture that, yeah, there is a path we can take. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy, but we can take it. Uh, we just, all those groups need to really focus on the on the same things. So thanks for your time, Grant. Thanks. Congratulations once again on your SIG medal win and uh, all the best wishes for your ongoing success and innovation success in the industry. Thank you very thanks, much. Grant. Thanks, Grant. Cheers. Thanks for listening and we hope you found value and ideas from this episode. Your voice can also help us to expand the conversation and actions around eco-efficient mineral processing. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a positive rating or even write a quick review on Google or Apple iTunes. If you'd like to stay informed and involved, you can tap into our free resources at our website, seekthefuture.org. That's C-E-E-C-thefuture.org. You can subscribe to our monthly Seek News, which also lets you know new podcasts, videos, and events. 
and you can join our visionary sponsors, just email admin at seekthefuture.org. Thank you.